If you take your copy of Scripture and turn to the book of Romans, uh, we're going to be in several different places in Romans today. Um, as I was thinking about uh, what, what would be the best content to preach on today, the song really kind of grabbed it. Is there anybody here that needs healing in your life? Is there anybody here that needs God to do a breakthrough, to get you through a circumstance or situation that you're in? Is there anybody that needs God to step in and do what only he can do? Listen, all of us do. And today I want to share with you something that you've heard a million times before, but I hope you hear it uh, new today. There's only one name and there's only one story that can step into our life and make changes, and that's Jesus, and it's the gospel. And so today I just wanted to spend some time, I like to do this from time to time, and I just want to share the gospel with you today. I want to share the good news of great joy that is given to you and that, that there has been a Savior born for you who will forgive you of your sins. As I think about this, um, a time in my life comes up. Have you ever felt lost? Didn't know where to go? Didn't know what to do? There was a time when I was literally lost in my life, not just spiritually. I mean, that, that was going on, but I was literally lost. My brother and I, we were on a youth retreat with my home church, and uh, the church had planned for us to go hiking. And they had a big meeting and was going to tell everybody how we were going to go hiking and what we were going to do. And being a 15-year-old teenager, you know what I didn't do? I didn't listen. The youth pastor gave out maps, and had I listened to what he was saying, he was saying, these are the maps to the places that we're going to go uh, this is not for the trails that are around here. You can't use them around here. We're going to bust you to where we're going to go hike. I didn't hear any of that. Neither did my brother. And neither did five of our friends. And we all decided to go hiking because we had a map. We thought we had a map. Uh, my brother and three friends and then uh, four other people, they went in two separate directions. I stayed back for a while. And after a couple hours, I get up and my brother isn't back. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go, go look for him. And so I took off by myself with the map. And after about 45 minutes, I recognized I was lost. And I had a moment, and I don't know if you've ever had this moment when you feel lost. I had a moment of like, do I keep going? Do I just, do I just keep walking and hoping that I end up in the place that, I'm, that I want to get to? Do I hope that I'm going to find my brother and, and his friends and find these other people? Do I just keep walking or do I stop and turn around? Well, I stopped and I turned around and I went back and my brother and his friends were lost for six hours. The four others that went the opposite direction, they were lost for 18 hours. They were lost overnight. And here's the thing, I, I was truly lost. And you may be here today and you may be truly lost. You could be a Christian that has just completely lost your way. You don't know which way is up, which way is down, what's left, what's right, what's right, what's wrong. You could be someone here who's never met Jesus before and just completely lost in your life. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know how to deal with the things that are happening in your life. Well, listen, this message is for everyone. This message is for how Jesus can save us from where we are and put us on the right path and where we won't be lost anymore. So I want to start with a verse that you guys know really, really well, Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. What does it mean to be lost? Well, in a spiritual sense, what it means, much like I hadn't listened to the people that were speaking to me and I hadn't followed directions, that's exactly what it means to be spiritually lost. Is that we're not listening to the one giving instructions. We think we know best. We think we have the right map. We think we know what's best for our life and which way to go. And so we don't listen to the one who created all things. We don't listen to the one who loves us with a a deep and everlasting and abundant love. We don't listen to him. And so here's the thing. What does it mean to be lost? One of the things it means, we like to say this, well, I just made a mistake. Being, Being lost means we don't listen to the one that is giving us the right instructions and it's not a mistake, it's a mutiny. We have declared God not fit to be the captain of our ship and we place ourselves in the center and we wanna listen to ourselves and we wanna do what we wanna do when we wanna do it and how we wanna do it. And so that's almost the epitome of being lost is that we listen to ourselves and we follow ourselves. Another thing it means to be lost is that we're following the wrong map. I had a map in my hand that gave me safety and security that when I was on the trail that I was on, it was the right trail and it was leading me to the right place. Even though every marker that I saw on the trail was telling me I was going the wrong way, I said, I have a map. If you had stopped me on the trail and told me I was going the wrong way, I would have told you that you were a liar because I had a map. Didn't mind, didn't matter that none of the signs lined up. Being lost means that you're following the wrong map. When we stop listening to the one who's giving us the right instructions to find our way to bring life into our life, then we stop following the map that he's given us. The world has a map for your life and it's the exact opposite of the map that God has for your life. God wants you to find faith in Jesus. God wants you to get forgiveness in Jesus. God wants you to have transformation in Christ and the world doesn't want that. The map that the world gives you is to steal, to kill and destroy everything good in your life. But here's the problem. Do you know that you're following the wrong map? Do you know that you're walking down the wrong road? For many years in my life, I didn't. Just like I was physically lost in the woods, I was spiritually lost in this world because I was doing all the things that the world said to do. I got an education, I got a good job, I had money in the bank, I had friends that I liked that liked me. I mean, I had all the stuff that the world says that you should have and here's the problem. I had all those things, but I didn't have what God wanted for me. I was empty. And even with all the people in my life, I was alone. What does it mean to be lost? Following the wrong map. And listen, I know that some of you are gonna sit here and tell me that you're a good person. I'm not gonna debate that. But did you hear Romans 3.23? What does it mean to be lost? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You may be good, but are you perfect? 
See, there's a problem that we have as human beings. God has set a standard for, for those to be able to live in his presence. And for anyone to live in his presence, you have to be perfect. And let me be the first one to admit I'm not perfect. I may be good, but I'm not perfect. All of us have sinned. And because we have sinned, we cannot live with God. And it's not that we just don't measure up to the mark. There's something even worse happening. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. What it means to be lost is there are consequences to sin in our life. What are the consequences to not listening to the one, not following the right map? What are the consequences to having sin in our life? Well, let me tell you, they're pretty dreadful. They can be encompassed in one word. And that one word is death. Sin brings death into our life. One of the ways that sins bring death into our life is that Psalm 38, 4 tells us that our sins are so high, our sins are so great and so deep that they tower over our head and that we drown in them. You ever felt the reality of that? Just like that moment when I was lost in the woods and, and I was all alone and I knew that nobody knew where I was and nobody was coming to get me. I felt just all alone and I felt like I was drowning with no way, nowhere to go. Maybe you're here today and you're experiencing that same feeling. That's death. Our sins have piled so high we can't see the top of them. In fact, we are drowning in them. One of the consequences to being lost is that we are storing up wrath and judgment for ourselves. Romans 2, 4, and 5, it says that um, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, but our unrepentant heart, we are storing up wrath and judgment for ourselves in the day of judgment. Every day that we walk apart from Jesus, every day that we walk with our own map, every day that we listen to ourselves, here's what's happening. We are storing up wrath and judgment for us that will come one day. That's why he uses the term wage. The wages of sin is death. How do you get a wage? We have to earn it. See, many of us think that because we're good people that we shouldn't earn death. We shouldn't earn separation from God. But here's what the Bible tells us. All of us are separated from God because we have fallen short from him. And every day that we walk apart from him, that we're storing up wrath and judgment. And if we go into eternity without Jesus and we are punished for those things, guess what? We're only getting what we sent out. It's kind of like coming to the end of your career and reaping the benefits of a 401k. You put in and you put in and you put in and you put in and you put in. And when it's time to take out, you reap the benefits of what you put in. What does it mean to be lost? It means that we are depositing in a sin 401k. That if Jesus doesn't step into our life and make changes, that one day we will draw out that balance and that balance will be paid back to us over eternity. And that eternity means we'll be separated from God forever. Consequences to being lost is death. Ultimate 
and eternal separation from God. Now listen, we, we gotta start with the bad news before we can get to the good news. And this is the bad news that all of us stand in outside of Jesus. We are lost, shipwrecked, alone. But I want you to hear about God's rescue plan. See, end of the story that I was telling you about myself and my brothers and those kids, we all got rescued. We all got rescued. It took a long time, but it happened. We all made it home safe and sound. And, and there was a lot of times we didn't know how that was going to work out. But here's the reality. The difference between my story and this is that God is looking for you right now. That God has developed a rescue plan for you right now. And he knows exactly where you are. And if you will stop running from him and turn, he will grab you where you are and bring you to him. Romans 5.8 tells us about God's rescue plan. It says that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This verse has come to be the most special, meaningful verse in the Bible for me. And I, and I love all the Bible. But this verse has sowed hope and peace and joy and comfort in my life because I've always struggled wondering if God could really love me. Oh, I know that he might like me and I know that he created me, but does he really love me? And maybe you feel that way. And you know, it's normal and natural to have that question when you're lost. When you can't find your way, when you can't deal with what's going on in your life and you have the spiritual separation between you and God. Yeah, it's an easy question to say, God, do you love me? And so he's answered that question. God has demonstrated his love for you. And you say, well, how? How has God demonstrated his love? How do I know? What, what can I look at? What can I trust that God has demonstrated his love? Well, he tells us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. If you ever wonder whether God loves you, if you ever wonder if God is there, if you ever wonder if God has the power to do anything in your life, all you need to look at is at the cross. The most horrendous and horrific and horrible moment in the universe was the demonstration of God's love for you. But here's God's rescue plan. God doesn't leave us for dead. At no point in our lostness, at no point do we get to a place where God gives up, where God gives in and God says, well, I'm sorry, you made the wrong choice. You've you know, put yourself in this place. There's nothing I can do about it. I remember during the night as the four kids uh, in the, the party that were lost, that were lost overnight, there were, there were times where they talked about calling off the rescue search. We were in East Tennessee. Uh, we were on the border of Tennessee and Kentucky. We were in deep, deep, deep mountain areas. And it was crazy as a 15-year-old to listen to adults, to listen to high mountain rangers say, I think we need to shut it down. We've searched every area where we think we could be, they could be. They're just lost. Here's something you need to hear. God never looks at where you are and says, well, they're just lost. 
they've gone too far. This is too taxing for me. This is, you know, I just, I just can't figure out where they're at. God knows exactly where you are. And he will not leave you for dead. He has demonstrated his love for you by dying for you. And here's something you need to hear and you need to see that God doesn't trust this rescue plan to anyone or anything else other than himself. God doesn't ask angels to come and save us. God doesn't snap his fingers. No, God himself comes. He wants us to see and know how serious this is. And so here's the thing. When Jesus shows up on the earth, God himself shows up to rescue his people. And if you're lost today, God is here. And he's ready to save you right now. He doesn't leave us for dead. He doesn't trust this rescue plan to anyone else or anything else. And here's his plan. It's genius. God takes our place. See, the thing that is difficult for people to understand is why would God die? Why would God do this? Why wouldn't God just snap his fingers and just say that sin doesn't exist? Why didn't he just forgive everybody? Because he's good and because he's just. If God pretended that sin wasn't a thing, if God pretended that our sins weren't over our head and death hadn't filled our life, he wouldn't be a good judge and he wouldn't be God. And so God does the most just and loving thing that he can do. He takes our place. This is God's rescue plan. And you know, and I mean this, and I just, I struggle so much in my ministry when I'm, when I'm listening to people and being a part of people's lives when things are broken and things are going crazy because inside, here's what I think. I wish I could take away your pain. I wish I could, I wish I could stop you from feeling this way. I wish I could change what's going on. And the struggle I have is I can't, but I know one who can. God's rescue plan is this, that he loved you so much that he took your place. You've heard me say this before, but it bears to be repeated. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus walked on this earth sinlessly, perfectly, in completely right relationship with God because we can't. Jesus went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, here's what happened. He was condemned as a guilty man, but he was the only innocent man ever. What Jesus was condemned for when he went to the cross was not blasphemy, and that's the charge they trumped up. Do you know what he was condemned for? My sin. Your sin. Jesus hung on the cross and God laid on him the sin of us all. And God poured out on him his anger and his wrath and his justice against sin. He poured it out on Jesus because he can't pour it out on us. He doesn't want to. Jesus took our place. There's a great quote by Martin Luther that I love. 
And I want to read it to you today because this is exactly what's happening here. This is the rescue plan. That God allowed Jesus to come and stand in your place. And that he would pour out all these things on Jesus so he could pour out on you grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and joy and peace. And bring you into right relationship with him. You have to make a choice. Martin Luther says, either sin is with you lying on your shoulders or it's lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, if it's lying on your back, you are lost. But if it's on resting on Jesus, you are free and you will be saved. Now choose what you want. This is the good news that I want to share with you today. You don't have to be lost anymore. And here's the simple choice. Who do you want to pay for your sin? Who do you want to pay? You can pay. I would suggest that you not. If you pay, here's what happens. God turns out to you for the rest of eternity what you have put in and deposit as sin and wrath and judgment. And here's the funny thing. You're not even really paying for your sins when you go to hell. People say, well, I'll go to hell and I'll pay for my sins and then I'll get to go to heaven. No, 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 no. You can't pay for your sins. You just reap the consequences of your sin. You get an eternity of consequences and you don't touch the principle. Or God wants to put your sin on Jesus so he can put his love on you. It's that simple. So it comes down to a question. Do you want to be rescued? Do you want to be rescued? Well, you may say, well, that seems like a ridiculous question. Of course I do. Of course I want to be rescued. Well, not necessarily. Not everyone does. You know, the sad reality that happened um, with the, the parties of people that got lost, myself, my brother, uh, and the other group, here's the thing. They all did things, we all did things that kept us lost. The group that was lost overnight, when they had that moment of saying, I'm lost, if they had just sat down, if they had just stopped and sat down where they were, guess what would have happened? They would have been found in three hours. But what'd they do? They kept walking. They kept walking and saying, hey, I, I think, I, I think there's, that's the way. Let's do this. And so what happened is they'd walk down a certain path and they'd circle and come back and decide, well, we're going to walk down this path. And then they walked down this path. And then they walked over here. And finally what happened, they just decided all the paths were wrong. And what they do? They jumped off the path. See, see here's the reality. There's so many things in our life that we do that keeps us from being found. You have to make the choice to be found. You have to respond to what Christ has done for you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us how to respond to what Christ has done. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. In Romans 10, 13, what I, one of the most wonderful verses. 
whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to respond to what Christ has done for you. You need to respond to the love that God has demonstrated to you. And there's three ways to do that. Repent, believe, confess. Repentance. Repenting is changing your heart, changing your mind, and changing your direction. When I was lost in the woods, I was sure that I was going the right way. I was doing the right thing. And when I had that moment, that crisis of conscience, that crisis of faith that said, you're going the wrong way. I had to change everything. I had to change the attitude of my heart. Because the attitude of my heart was telling me, you're doing the right thing. Because I was going to find my brother and his friends. I wanted to find them and I wanted to see where they were and I wanted to get them home. That was a good thing. But I had to change my heart and say, I'm lost. I need to be found first. I had to change my mind. I was so sure that the map that I had was leading me in the right direction and I was wrong. I had to change what I thought. But changing my heart and changing my mind would be nothing without changing direction. The only thing that saved me that day is the thing that saved me when I was 18 years old and I came to faith in Jesus. You know what that is? Changing direction. That's what repentance really is. Where you stop. You stop where you're going. You stop the road that you're on and you turn around and say, God, I was wrong. That's what repentance is. It's coming to a crisis of faith, coming to a crisis of conscience, coming to that moment when you recognize you're on the wrong road and what's gonna happen when you get to the end is you're gonna be lost forever and you stop. You can turn around. And as you turn around, there's some things that you need to believe about Jesus. And let me tell you what believe means. It's not just knowing it in your head. It's that you're persuaded enough to place your faith and trust in it. That's what belief really is. It's not facts. I've become persuaded. I guess the best example would be this. Would you ever jump out of a plane if you didn't believe the parachute was gonna open? That's the kind of faith that we need to have in Jesus. We are persuaded that he is able to save us, to forgive us, to make us new, to rescue us. So you stop, you change direction, and you believe. And here's what I need you to believe today. I need you to believe that God loves you and desires to rescue you. Super simple. God loves you you. God knows you. He knows everything that you've done. He knows the debt that you're in. He knows the death that you've sown in your life. He knows all the consequences that you faced. He knows exactly where you are. He knows the storms that you're facing right now. And here's the thing. He loves you. God will never love you any more than he already does. And God will never love you any less than he already does. He's demonstrated that. But God doesn't just love you. God wants to rescue you. 
And here's the beautiful thing. Here's how he wants to rescue you. He has sent Jesus to do what you can't do. He's died for you and he sent me today to tell you the wonderful good news that you don't have to be lost anymore. But you need to believe that. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We need to believe that God sent Jesus and we need to believe in the finished work of Christ. It took me a, a long time to understand this and I don't want you to struggle the way that I did. For a long time, I, I thought, well, Jesus' death on the cross kind of gets me in, but what keeps me in is all the hard work that I do. And I have to be sincere and I have to try really hard and I have to show up all the time and I have to do all these things. And if I don't do all these things then I'm not worthy and I possibly could lose my salvation. And here's what you need to hear. It has nothing to do with you. You trust what Jesus has done. Jesus says a statement while he's dying on the cross that we need to hold on to because it's very powerful. Three words in English. One in Aramaic, tetelestai, it is finished. What does that mean? It means that your sin debt is finished. It means the death in your life is finished. It means that the brokenness between you and God is finished because Christ has paid it all. And if you believe that and take the next step, which is called confession, Confession is agreeing with someone on a certain topic or declaring your guilt. We, it kind of means both things. One confession is what we see on Law and Order, you know, my favorite TV show. We get the perpetrator in the room and the cops are in there and, you know, they're putting the screws to the guy or Jack McCoy, you know, my favorite prosecutor, he's doing that. And they confess, I did it. But there's also another confession. We have those in churches. They're called belief statements. When we say, I believe, what we're really saying is, I confess. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I confess that Jesus is God. I confess that Jesus died for me. I confess that I'm forgiven of my sins. So we have to have this repentance where we change direction and believe that God loves us and wants to rescue us. And we believe in the finished work of Christ. And then we confess two ways. We say, I did it. I did it. The hurdle that keeps us from finding faith in Jesus is the same hurdle that keeps us in sin when Jesus wants us not to be in sin. And here's the hurdle. None of us wants to admit, admit that we're guilty. But here's the crazy thing. Anyone who comes to faith in Jesus has to come the same way. I confess, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess I did it all. I confess that I broke everything. I screwed up everything. I confess that I am lost. And here's the crazy thing. When you confess that you were lost, then you can get found. I confess. That confession leads to the next confession, which is this. I confess 
that the only way for me to be right with God is what Jesus has done for me. And I confess that I believe in Jesus and trust him to forgive me, to wipe me clean, to make me new, and to take me to heaven one day. I confess. It's so simple. It's so simple to recognize that you're lost. It's so simple to recognize the rescue plan that God has given. It's so simple to hear that we just need to change direction and believe and confess. But I asked you a moment ago, do you want to be rescued? I want to change that question. I want to ask you again. What prevents you today? What prevents you today from being saved? From being rescued? What prevents you today from being forgiven? Christian, if you're here and you're lost and you just feel like that everything in your life is a mess and it's blown up in your face, what keeps you? What keeps you from finding forgiveness and restored fellowship? It's funny, it has a a lot of symptoms, but I think the problem kind of runs deep and it's all the same for all of us. I think the, the thing that keeps us and prevents us from being rescued is this, it's pride. What are people gonna think? What are people gonna say? You know, that kept my brothers and that group lost a long time. They didn't wanna admit they were wrong. They didn't wanna turn. There was another time when I realized that I was lost and had to face a choice. I was sitting on the third row, center section, in my home church. I was 18 years old. Growing up in the church, I'd been at the church every time the doors were open. I had walked an aisle when I was seven years old. I got baptized, but I didn't know Jesus. And as I was sitting there that night and a revivalist was sharing the gospel message, much like I'm sharing to you today, all of a sudden, all of the weight of my sin came crashing down on me. And I had a moment, a crisis of faith. I recognized I was lost. And as I sat there, I knew what was about to happen. I mean, I'd been in church a long time. We were coming to the point where he was gonna pray and ask us to respond in faith. To take a step of faith, to to accept what has been done for you in love. And as I sat there, this is what began running through my mind. (laughs) What are people gonna think about you, Michael? You've pretended to be a Christian for 11 years. Sing in the choir. You help out at all these things. What are, what are people going to say? Don't, don't do this. Don't do this because your reputation is more important. And sadly, you know what I did? I went home that night. I white knuckled. We had pews, not chairs, but I white knuckled the pew just to get out of there. And I ran out and I jumped in my car and then I had that moment because I'd been in a revival and you know how some revivalists are. They'll tell you, oh, if you leave, you could die on the way home. 
And so it took me, I, I, I live really seven minutes from the church. It took me 25 minutes to get home. I stopped at every stop sign, counted to 15, went through. I was scared. And I, and I, I went to bed and I, I just began to beat myself up. How could I do, how could I be so stupid? It was right there. The gift had been given, the offer had been made. I slapped it down because I was stupid. Why, why, why? And then another voice spoke to me in that moment that I hope you'll hear today too. Do it now. Do it now. 11.45 that night, I got down at the foot of my bed on my face. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And this is what I said. God, save me. And in that moment, God saved me. He rescued me. He forgave me and he made me new. And I've never looked back. Listen, don't be an idiot like me. Don't let something stupid keep you from being rescued today. Let's pray. Father, I know that you're speaking to all of us. I know all of us need to be rescued from something. And I pray that you would not let us walk out of this place until we respond to you until we are forgiven, until we are made new, until we are healed, until we are restored, until we can walk out of here in your victory that you've given us. Father, speak. And as you speak, may we say yes. It's in Jesus' name we pray.